What are some of the biggest weaknesses for the Denver Broncos from a positional standpoint? Is it the depth at the offensive line, defensive line, edge rusher? You get that and much more on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Denver Broncos prepare for minicamp and training camp in July. Could the depth at the offensive line position be one of the biggest positional weaknesses on the football team? That's the question we throw out today here on today's brand new episode, Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for tuning in, making Locked On Broncos your first listen of the day every single day. Shout out to all the everydayers out there as well. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast so you never miss out on an episode as soon as it's made available. I'm your host as always, Cody Rourke, credentialed Broncos reporter from Mile High Sports, joined alongside as always by my co-host and my good friend, Sarah Bettinger, site expert, predominantly orange.com. Sarah, my friend, as we go through, we just highlighted on yesterday's episode of the show, the biggest strengths from a positional standpoint for this Broncos team heading into camp. Well, now we got to analyze maybe the weaknesses. And I I feel like the conversation around here in terms of weaknesses doesn't have anything to do with starters, but more so I feel like depth, you know, positions behind the starters or guys behind the starters there. I think it's something that we highlight here. And, you know, let's start off with probably the biggest one the Broncos fans have questions about. And I would have to say the biggest weakness might be the depth at the offensive tackle position. Yeah, and a big reason for this discussion surrounding the depth at offensive tackle or lack thereof is because, well, the Broncos lost three guys, right? They lost Calvin Anderson to the New England Patriots. You lose Billy Turner to the New York Jets, where he's now back with Nathaniel Hackett. And then obviously Cam Fleming. I don't know if Cam has signed anywhere. I know he visited Miami, Jacksonville. Is he with Miami? Uh, So these guys are all landing elsewhere, right? So the Broncos' depth from last year, which was tested, and we saw all these guys play, well, those guys are all gone. And now you have Garrett Bowles coming back from injury. You have Mike McGlinchey coming in to start at right tackle. And who else at the offensive tackle position? Because remember, the, the, the thing about people worrying about the depth right now is the fact that last year we saw so many different guys play. Right. So everybody's thinking about last year's context of saying, well, how many offensive tackles played last year and how many are we going to need this year? It's not a guarantee, but you may not need any of these guys to play. At least that's the hope. But behind Garrett Bowles, behind Mike McGlinchey right now, Cody, it looks like the top backup tackle might be Isaiah Prince, right? The former sixth round pick out of Ohio State. And that. I mean, he's played a little bit in the NFL. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's obviously a high-level NFL caliber player. But at the same time, if he has to play extensive time, how comfortable do you feel about that? And that's where I think a lot of people land in terms of this being maybe one of the biggest roster weaknesses the Broncos have. And and I think that's probably the fairest point about this, right? Isaiah Prince has played in the NFL, has played for the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, has has played impact minutes for them at times. But Overall, there's a question as to why did they let him go, right? And obviously, they've made some moves at the tackle position this offseason. So that maybe can maybe be a little bit of an indicator. But you were spot on with that in the sense that, okay, you lose one of these guys, whether it be Garrett Bowles or Mike McGlinchey, to an injury. Who do you have right now that you're like, hey, we can put this guy here. We're going to be fine. I think when, you know, with Calvin Anderson on the roster last year, we knew that. We're like, okay, hey, you know what? 
you know, for some reason he's not starting. He should be starting. But if something were to happen, he's the guy that you throw in there. You have an insurance policy right now, just kind of on the outside looking in, it just doesn't feel like Denver has an insurance policy at the offensive tackle position, unless they're just going to say, okay, if something happens to one of these guys, we're just going to throw Chris Manhurts out there with whoever we put at offensive tackle. And we're just going to have two guys blocking on whatever side of the ball that may be. Hopefully that is not the case. And hopefully obviously on the injury side, Denver fares much better this upcoming season, but man, last year was brutal on the eyes in terms of the offensive line, not only just from play, but just when injuries just impact him, it's like, wow, how are these guys going to deal with the punches? And, you know, luckily, you know, despite the five and 12 record, I thought Denver in some situations, considering the injuries actually responded really well. There's some undrafted guys as well. You know, we, we saw Sean Payton talk about earlier this week. You can find some really good guys that are undrafted. It's about, you know, can they develop? Can they play in your system? And we'll have to see, especially Alex, Alex Pacheski uh, out of Illinois, the offensive tackle. Can he maybe be a guy that impresses in training camp? Is he a guy that can go through and, and, and maybe obviously like earn his marks? Like it was hard to evaluate during rookie minicamp because once again, there is no contact. You, you know, these guys can't do the things that their position demands of them to do, which I think also makes it hard for offensive line development in 2023 and beyond in the current state of the NFL. So for me, there's that, but maybe, maybe Quinn Bailey. Can Quinn Bailey maybe be a guy there at offensive tackle? I mean, I thought he stepped in and did really well at guard, but at this point, I mean, Denver's got some guys who Sean Payton, George Payton believe have what they call positional flex. Yeah, and Quinn Bailey is certainly going to get another opportunity to impress a new coaching staff, right? And he's been here for a long time. It feels like, I mean, we've seen him you know, in spotty situations, of course, and not really consistently, but we've seen a lot of Quinn Bailey, certainly on the offseason roster, certainly on the practice squad. So, I mean, he's got an opportunity. And I like that you brought up Alex Palczewski, the undrafted free agent out of Illinois, played, I believe he tied the NCAA record, Cody, for games played. Uh, I know they have all these extra years of eligibility now, but he played a ton at Illinois. He was an All-American there. So I think his name... Bears monitoring another name that I want to throw out there actually missed this guy getting signed completely when we brought him in as an undrafted free agent South Florida's Demontre Jacobs Cody I looked him up after I I saw his name pop up on the the team sent out a press release of all 15 UDFAs that signed I saw Demontre Jacobs on the list and I'm looking at it right here there we go I didn't even notice his name either I know, right? I I missed that report completely, but apparently it happened, you know, two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. And when he signed, I I mean, you look at him and if you search him on Twitter or Google or whatever, you're going to find a guy that's got 36 inch arms. Uh, A lot of people who were at his pro day say he ran a sub five second pro day at, you know, 300 plus pounds, which is ridiculous. Six foot six. So the physical at six foot six plus, I mean, this guy is huge. He has long arms. I think his hands are over 11 inches. So we're talking about an absolute physical specimen here. And I feel like maybe, I mean, you talk about diamonds in the rough. How about the ones that you didn't even realize were there in the first place, right? So I'm very intrigued by this guy now, just based on his athletic makeup, based on the fact that I saw a number of people who, uh, it was actually the the PFN draft guy, Ian Cummings, right? So That's he tweeted guy. about, that's right. You know him well. He tweeted about uh, Demontre and somebody from, you know, a South Florida fan underneath commented like this guy's going to play at the NFL. So the people who have watched him 
really like him. And I think that's I speaks to his ability, right, to stand out at South Florida, of course, maybe not necessarily the most renowned program in the country right now, but I think this is a guy to keep an eye out for in terms of we know Sean Payton likes to kind of have, I don't want to say unproven, but I do want to say like developmental guys as his backup offensive lineman. Remember, I, I talked about how I looked back at 10 years worth of his O-lines. Typically, that starting five is going to be your first, second round picks, if not, you know, uh, big free agent signings like we had for the Broncos this year. But behind those guys, more often than not, was college free agents, street free agents, cap casualties, you know, guys that were unheralded late round draft picks. Maybe this is the direction he just kind of tends to like to go in terms of backup O-linemen. We'll see how everything plays out. I mean, he goes back to the, the saying of what Sean Payton told us on Saturday. You know, it's not about, you know, they're here. It's not about the path. They're here. It's about what they do with the opportunity. And and you know what? In, in training camp, you do need backup offensive linemen because, look, you're going to have – Denver's got four quarterbacks on the roster right now, and they're going to be there all throughout the preseason considering, you know, if Denver does not make cuts after the first game or second game – you now don't have to do that to go from 90 to 53 until the after the final game of the NFL preseason, which happens to be in Denver. The first two are going to be on the road there. So hey, there you go. They're Broncos country. There's going to be a lot of storylines to evaluate as it pertains to the preseason, what goes on with the roster construction here in Denver. Let us know if you, if you agree with us or disagree with us on whether or not the depth at the offensive tackle position is one of the biggest weaknesses or concerns for you. We're also going to talk about maybe why the depth at the defensive line position is in shaky consideration right now where the Broncos currently stand. We'll talk a little bit more about that on today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. This episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there at Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar that is out there on the market today. And folks, if you have not tried Built Bar, you have to today. And here is why. Not only are they soft, they're easy to chew, but they're also covered in 100% milk chocolate and they taste legitimately like a candy bar. You won't believe that it's actually good for you, but each bar of Built Bar contains 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, they're low in sugar, and they have a wide variety of flavors like churro puff, brownie batter. They have the puff flavor as well, marshmallow fluffed covered in chocolate. It is tasty, and it is fantastic. And if you want to get your hands on a box of Built Bar today to try Built Bar if you have not done so, or if you're an avid diehard Built Bar consumer like Sarah Bettinger, make sure you go to Walmart. Go to the pharmacy department. You can get a box of four Built Bars in the pharmacy section. Or if you want to buy in bulk, you can go to your local Sam's Club and get a box full of 13 Built Bars today. Built Bar, check it out. Is defensive line depth maybe one of the worst position group areas on the Denver Broncos roster heading into OTAs, heading into training camp? Right now, as we look at this roster, the defensive line has two very high-priced free agent acquisitions over the last two years, right? Zach Allen in 2023, DJ Jones in 2022, but what is the depth at this position? Are the remember the Broncos, Cody in Super Bowl Fifty? That defensive line that was you know Malik Jackson and, and all these guys out there with backups like Vance Walker, Vance Walker coming in doing an outstanding job, being a key piece of that Super Bowl Fifty team. Do the Broncos have anything like that this year? We know they lost Deshaun Williams. Obviously, they lost Draymond Jones. In the offseason, last offseason, they lost Shelby Harris. So a lot of turnover the last two years for this Denver Broncos defensive line. In terms of the depth, do you think this is one of the weakest position groups on the team? Yeah, you know, this is a, a great question. It's definitely an area I'm concerned. And when I was creating the thumbnail for this show, 
I was like, how do I make it to where I'm not saying, because, you know, obviously we put Garrett Bowles on the thumbnail. We put DJ Jones on the thumbnail. I was like, how do we make it to where it doesn't come across that we're saying that these guys are weaknesses? Because they're not. We're talking <laughs> about the positional depth there. And unfortunately, I don't have any images of Isaiah Prince in a Broncos uniform to put him on the thumbnail there. But, you know, kind of going through their Broncos country, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have Zach Allen, you got in free agency, DJ Jones getting paid a lot of money. You've got Mike Purcell in the final year of his deal with the Denver Broncos. And then you have two second year guys and obviously Matt Henningsen and Inyoma Uazarike. And right now, those are question marks. Those are really big question marks right now because, you know, Henningsen got some action last year, was able to get a sack. But is he ready to start opposite of a guy like Zach Allen? Or is Inyoma Uazarike ready to step into a starting role opposite of Zach Allen? To me, that's a it's a question. And then what happens if you get a guy, you know, that's banged up? Like Zach Allen last year, he missed four games for the Arizona Cardinals. You look at DJ Jones, he missed two games, but he battled through a variety of injuries last season as well. You play one of the most physically demanding positions in terms of contact and look, you're going to get defensive line. You're going to get offensive line positions where you do need really good depth. We just talked about offensive tackle depth here for the Broncos in the prior segment. Now we talk about the defensive line depth here. And to me, I, I'm definitely concerned right now. And I, I'll tell you this there. I think a lot of the conversation is going to be predicated off of which of these guys who are undrafted or maybe the tryouts could maybe turn heads and, and maybe be there. Obviously, P.J. Mustafer is one of those guys out of Penn State. You look at his bio on Twitter, he says, somewhere sacking your quarterback. I mean, he's got a really good mindset, right? He's got a lot of size to him, but you're banking maybe this year for the Broncos specifically, you're banking on you know maybe one or two undrafted guys potentially making the roster from the defensive line standpoint because of the fact that your depth right now is not in a good place. But then again, I also think it goes back to the conversation of Sean Payton and George Payton, you know, at the NFL draft, post NFL draft, they could have added a defensive lineman or a defensive end. So to me, they've talked about vision. We have a vision year one. We have a vision year two. What is the vision here for the defensive line depth behind Mike Purcell, DJ Jones, and obviously the other defensive end position? Because right now I'm, I'm just a little concerned. I'm a little skeptical about the depth there in the event you lose one or two of these guys due to an injury at any point of the season. Are you in a good enough place with who you have on the roster that can step up and fill that void? I, I don't have an answer for that right now. Right. And of course, we talk about the depth, but like you're mentioning, I mean, the other starting defensive end spot opposite of Zach Allen is really in question when they're at least when they're in their base defensive look. Right. So we're talking about Matt Henningsen or Ioma Uazurike taking one of those starting jobs and it's. It's a leap of faith. I mean, for for fans or analysts or people who just love the Broncos to sit here in the offseason and look at the team right now and say, all right, Zach Allen, big money free agent. DJ Jones, big money free agent. And then you're like, Ioma Uazurike. I don't don't even know if I've heard. A a lot of people probably don't even know who Ioma Uazurike is unless you listen to this show or unless you're a diehard everyday fan, you know, on Twitter scouring the depth chart, scouring the roster, watching every transaction, you may not know who even some of these guys are. So it's not like these young guys are inspiring confidence in the fan base, but we who follow the team every single day, we understand, hey, we saw some flashes last year from Matt Henningsen and Ioma Uazurike. We've seen what some of these guys can do. We we buy that, you know, potential, you know, the same way as, you know, we're kind of putting faith in Caden Stearns. Of course, Caden has a bigger sample size in terms of, what he's shown on the field. The flashes have been arguably a bit more brilliant in terms of, you know, sacking Lamar Jackson, picking off Dak Prescott, 
etc with Caden Stearns but you kind of get the same type of vibe with these defensive linemen that the coaching staff is like hey we're going to put some faith in these young players and if they go out there in mini camp and they don't show what they're supposed to show I mean maybe you do give up a call to Shelby Harris and be like hey Shelby you still got your place here in Denver you want to come play for the Broncos for another year I would guess that he would be pretty willing to do that. And it's just a guess, but I, I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. What about this guy? Cody Vance Joseph once coached the Miami Dolphins defense. Remember that? Yeah. And one of the assistants on that Miami defense or a consultant was Joe Vitt, who is now a senior defensive assistant with the Denver Broncos. You know who was one of the prominent defensive linemen on that team who's still a free agent right now? name's uh Ndama Kinsu and, and I'm just throwing it out I'm just throwing it out there he's still a free agent and there was just a report on Tuesday morning that said hey at week one I'm going to be ready to play that was from Ndama Kinsu so I'm just throwing it out there if they don't like the young guys at the end of mini camp you know rookie camp whatever they can go out and get a veteran and upgrade this stuff but as of right now I would agree I think it's one of the weaker position groups on the roster overall well, I know it's crazy that, you know, he's been on the roster for a couple of years and we just overlook him. And this is my bad. Jonathan Harris is on the roster still. I totally forgot about that. And obviously a veteran guy. I, I thought actually did pretty solid stepping in last season because there was a time where, you know, even Deshaun Williams got hurt, got banged up. Jonathan Harris had to step in. So there is a guy there who does have some experience, maybe not as ideal as you like, but I would say probably has more experience than Matt Henningsen right now or Inyomo Wazirike. There's a guys like Jordan Jackson who's on the roster, Elijah Garcia, guys who are going to compete at training camp. Maybe Denver's banking and hoping that one of these guys maybe grabs it and runs with it, right? And, and maybe kind of takes the lead there. But I do think that Denver is in a good place from a contingency standpoint that, okay, if these young guys, and I, I'm glad that you pointed that out, if these young guys don't work out, we can go back and, and sign a guy right before training camp, a veteran guy, because the longer the time goes on, I, I think it the market formulates a better deal for a team versus, you know, you know, adding a guy like Shelby Harris or even adding a guy like Nadama Kingsu, who I mean, who at one point was one of the most dominant defensive linemen in the NFL. And now he's kind of on that back end of his career, just looking for the right opportunity. And you know what? Maybe it could be the Denver Broncos. But there's so much that has to go on between now and then. And and hopefully that there's a there's progression, right? Because one thing is certain right now beginning next week i mean they're going to be on the field for voluntary minicamp the phase one of otas on field stuff you know they're going to be doing that it's going to be may 23rd through may 25th we're going to get access to one of those days there because the media during this ota period i think you get access to one practice every three days from that standpoint so we'll have you covered we'll have a lot of fresh stuff and a lot of great things to talk about here on lockdown broncos as we go forward but i'm I'm in agreement with you i do have some concern about the defensive line depth here for the Broncos. Broncos country, do you agree? Do you disagree? If you're watching on YouTube, comment it down below. Interact with other members of Broncos country. Or if you're listening, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you tweet us at Cody Rourke NFL, at Sarah Bettinger, at Locked On Broncos. What are some other positional weaknesses or questions that we have about this Broncos football team as we head into training camp? We get closer to July. Could it be edge rusher? We're going to dive deeper now in today's episode, Lockdown Broncos. Real quick, let me tell you about what we have going on here at the Lockdown Podcast Network. If you're a Colorado sports fan, you obviously listen to Lockdown Broncos every single day. We appreciate you. But right now, the Denver Nuggets are in the Western Conference Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers. And if you are not taking this opportunity to listen to the Lockdown Nuggets podcast, hosted by Adam Adams, hosted by Matt Moore, you're missing out on all the pick and roll action pertaining to the Western Conference Finals and whether or not Denver can make a serious run. 
for an NBA championship. Check it out today wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. What is the third weakness overall from a positional standpoint for this Broncos team as we head deeper into the offseason? We prepare for mini camp, training camp, which is coming up in just about a month and a half. Thank you so much, Broncos country, for tuning in, making Lockdown Broncos your first listen of the day every single day. We appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to us or to watch us break down all things Denver Broncos related here. Make sure you hit that subscribe button or that follow button so you never miss out on an episode as soon as as it's made available. Thank you so much, Broncos country, for rocking with us. Shout out to all the everydayers like Bill, like Dimitri, like Dennis, and the countless others that tune in at newtype underscore JK47 on Twitter. We are so grateful for all of you and our man Kinley as well. So if you're an everydayer, drop it down below in the comments or tweet us on Twitter. That way we can give you a shout out every once in a while. Thank you for making the show exactly what it is, Broncos country. But Sarah, let's continue on with our conversation here today. Edge rusher is definitely, I, I would say, one of the questions right now, right? You know, we can maybe kind of deem this as like question weakness. You know, we're, eh, well, let's debate about it here. But I'd say there are a lot of questions coming into camp, essentially. But we did get some good news as well from Broncos head coach Sean Payton about Randy Gregory. Now, let's preface this by saying, because I saw Twitter the other day, and we did an episode talking about what Sean Payton said about Javante Williams. I would, I would come to think that the coach... The head coach of the team who gets the daily medical report and who's checking up on everything knows more than we do, knows more than everybody on Twitter knows about it. If he said that Javante is going to be ready for camp, that's the expectation. But he also prefaced it by saying, if he's not, PUP is an option there. So let's not let's not make you know, let's not do the mental gymnastics saying he's going to miss the entire season because that's that's not the case right now. If that were the case, we would know he wouldn't just come out there and say something like that if there wasn't any validity to maybe Javante being ready to do stuff. So. I wanted to pinpoint that, but obviously Randy Gregory as well, he said, is, is making tremendous progress, has been in to the team facility and has been working out, has been part of the, uh, you know, the voluntary workouts, which is a great sign. You love to see that and is healthy after suffering that meniscus injury last year that forced him to have surgery. Now the question here is, is edge rusher right now, is it a positional weakness for the Denver Broncos or is it depth that we should be mainly concerned about? Well, Cody, I know you have gotten to speak with Randy Gregory, and I've heard from you and from plenty of others that he seems like a really good guy, a really nice guy. One of my favorite guys in the locker room. Yeah, just a vibrant. He seems like a vibrant personality, right? So I don't mean I don't want to speak negatively about Randy Gregory, but in terms of like building the roster, in terms of like the football side of things, as as much as people may like Randy Gregory, I think we all would agree. We really like Von Miller. We really like Bradley Chubb as well. And so the Broncos chose Randy Gregory over those guys. I know a lot of people give me guff for saying, well, they would have never gone to high enough to pay for Von Miller as they did, as the Buffalo Bills did. And I, I just say it doesn't matter. Like they, they didn't do it. They didn't pursue that avenue. They didn't allocate the funds to try to bring back Von Miller last year when they had the opportunity. It seemed like Von was ready and willing to come back to the Denver Broncos. They pass on the opportunity to do that. Then you trade Bradley Chubb instead of giving him a long-term deal. And I, I think can't help but think that the Randy Gregory contract was a big reason for that. And so I have big expectations for Randy Gregory. I, I'm saying like, hey, you're getting paid as though you're basically a million dollars per sack, you know, per season. I know that's a slightly unreasonable, but I think at this point, like Randy Gregory has to go out and prove that he is a top flight edge player because he's being paid as such. I think he needs to go out there and prove something to me and to many others to 
Like I, to me, Cody, I think the edge position right now is the weakest on the team in terms of, okay, your top end talent is Randy Gregory and Baron Browning. Love what we saw from Baron Browning last year, but there, I think he is a bit of a question mark. I mean, it was one year sample, right? To really see what he can do. And there's some injury concerns with both of those guys. So Randy Gregory, we saw for just a couple of games, really healthy last year. And he was solid in those games that he was healthy, very impactful. But I think that's the that's the thing right there. It's like, are you going to be consistently available? And if not, are we supposed to plan on the Broncos having a year of Nick Bonito and Jonathan Cooper as their primary edge guys, right? Or at rotating in as getting a lot of those snaps. I'm I'm not saying that I'm concerned about the edge position. And I know I was preaching going into the draft. We don't need to draft an edge guy. But I do think that there's a spot here for maybe a veteran addition, somebody to come in to raise the floor of this room to get you comfortable about, okay, Randy Gregory goes down, you know, Justin Houston can step in or Marcus Golden can step in or something like that. Just a veteran presence, somebody who's consistently getting 20 QB hits per season, which those guys both do, just to raise the floor of that room. So I don't know, where do you come in on this? Because I know it's it's it does fall in between the, weakness and question mark category, I guess you could say, but I tend to kind of lean more on the weakness side because of what we saw last year from Randy Gregory health-wise. I think those are all very fair points, right? And and I'll tell you this, you know, Randy wants to stay healthy as well. That's kind of been a concern throughout the first, you know, tenure of his career. But yeah, he's got, there is a lot to prove from this position. This time last year, what position are we talk about that we were the most worried about? Inside linebacker, right? And it proved to actually be pretty decent for Denver last season. Part of me is wondering, is that maybe how, is it for this year, could it be the edge rusher? Could everything look like, ah, I'm not sure about this, but then surprise us? I mean, I think that's the hope. You and I are both hoping that we're, we're surprised here. But yeah, I mean, Baron Browning moved to the edge rusher position for the first time last year here at the NFL level. I did a sit down with Baron a few weeks ago and we talked about it and he said, you know, for him, it it was an adjustment period because while he still looked pretty damn good, he said, you know, there are things I want to improve in terms of a pass rusher, like, you know, having that second wind, you know, having my legs underneath me, he said, because if you don't have your, you know, your legs, you want to build that endurance. If you don't have your legs, you can't do your second pass rush move off your first move. So he's got a lot of high expectations of himself this upcoming season. I'm excited to maybe see him take that next step then you're right. You know, you you have guys like Jonathan Cooper, Nick Benito, who you, you know, you drafted in the second round of last year's NFL draft, who you're hoping just takes the next step, right? Because it's not just about, okay, can he play as a rookie, you know, in his rookie season? He played a little, didn't get a lot of playing time on defense. Can he maybe get more playing time this year in a rotational role? I mean, that would be a, a great thing for Denver because you want to be able to have guys, you have to have a multitude of pass rushers in today's NFL. You have Jonathan Cooper, but is that enough, though? you got Aaron Patrick and other people as well. Patrick's coming off of an ACL, but are you in a good spot with the depth that you have, and do you feel like this position group can produce? That's the biggest question. And remember, sir, the last time the Broncos had a sack, you know, a pass rusher who had double-digit sacks, it was with Vance Joseph as the head coach defensive play caller in 2018 with Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. Since then, Denver hasn't had a defensive lineman or an edge rusher uh, uh, even come close to double digits. I believe six and a half was the highest mark set, and that was obviously you know Draymond Jones last season. So for me, there are some question marks here at this position. I will see if it's a weakness, but I, I can maybe see, and I can see the cases that you make that maybe it is a weakness. For me, it's more of a question, and 
like I said, we're, we're fixing to find out here in training camp. We're going to see competition. We're going to see these guys working. We're going to see these guys playing in the NFL preseason, according to Sean Payton. So everything is going to be under the microscope. He wants to get a real evaluation of the team that he's going to have in his first season as the Denver Broncos head coach. And tell you what, I'm excited about it. There's a lot of questions as we've discussed here, but Broncos country, we're going to have you covered every step of the way, all off season long, even through the dead times after mandatory minicamp on June 13th through 15th. They're going to be off for a month. We're going to still have you covered here, locked on Broncos, the training camp position previews. And if you're an everyday or these are things you need to look forward to this off season, but that will wrap up today's episode of the show Broncos country on tomorrow's episode lockdown Broncos for all you everydayers out there Sarah and I we're going to ask the question what are the biggest questions here for the Broncos going into 2023 can Russell Wilson bounce back how will Sean Payton's first year as a head coach go can Denver stay healthy these are just some things that we're thinking about and we'll break it down on tomorrow's brand new